All of man's wisdom is so minute when compared to the glorious wisdom of the God who created all things by Christ Jesus. To attempt to approach God through scholarship is a true exercise in futility. It cannot be done. Jesus Christ said that unless we become as little children, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18-25 through 25. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The salvation miracle takes place when, in total surrender, one falls upon one's face before God, repenting of one's sins and surrendering unto the Lord Jesus Christ and his words as the King and Champion of all. Click on the Further with Jesus on this site for information. Remember, childlike faith. Now for today's subject. God said he created great dragons and fiery flying serpents, that some of these fierce creatures actually breathed fire, and that these awesome creatures were contemporary to man. See dinosaurs on this website. Job chapter 41 verses 19 through 21. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go smoke as out of seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. Numbers chapter 21 verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 34. Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon hath devoured me. He hath crushed me. He hath made me an empty vessel. He hath swallowed me up like a dragon. He hath filled his belly with my delicates. He hath cast me out. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 29. Rejoice not thou, whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery, flying serpent. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 6. The burden of the beast of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper, and fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. Some of the references of creatures in the scriptures have a spiritual connotation, yet they refer to creatures that were well known to their readers. Man said this concept of great dragons and fiery flying serpents, etc., breathing fire, is just one of many examples of the fairy tale nature of the Bible. Simply old men writing old fairy tale fiction, now the record. What the Bible refers to as dragons would be commonly known in, today, in today's vernacular as dinosaurs, which by definition simply means terrible lizard. Ancient civilizations around the world left testimonies of these great creatures, not as fairy tales but more in the nature of historic accounts. Some reports would probably compare to today's daily police blotter. 
In a research book titled After the Flood, author William Cooper cites some very interesting information. The first excerpt deals with flying reptiles, which man claims were not contemporary to man. It reads, The last monster to be destroyed by Bull Wolf, and from which encounter Bull Wolf also died in the year A.D. 583, was a flying reptile which lived on a promontory overlooking the Sea of Hornesnes on the southern coast of Sweden. Now the Saxons, and presumably the Danes, knew flying reptiles in general as liftflaga, air flyers. But this particular species of flying reptile, the specimen from Hornesnes, was known to them as widflaga, literally a wide or far-ranging flyer, and the description that they have left us fits that of a giant pteranodon. Interestingly, the Saxons also described this creature as ligdraca, or fire dragon, and he is described as 50 feet in length and about 300 years of age. Great age is a common feature even among today's non-giant reptiles. Moreover, and of particular interest to us, the name Widflaga would have distinguished this particular species of flying reptile from another similar species which was capable of making only short flights. Such a creature is portrayed in a shield boss from the Sutton Hoo burial which shows a flying dragon with its wings folded along its sides. Its long, tooth-filled jaws are readily seen, and the shield boss can be seen to this day in its showcase at the British Museum. Modern paleontologists working from fossilized remains have named such a creature pterodactyl. In a 1793 statistical account of Scotland, a sober government report read, In the end of November and beginning of December last, many of the country people observed dragons appearing in the north and flying rapidly towards the east, from which they concluded, and their conjectures were right, that boisterous weather would follow. Flying reptiles have been reported as recently as the early 1900s. Again from William Cooper's book, Likewise, the Voluspa tells of a certain monster, which the early Vikings called a Nithhogger, its name Corpse Terror, revealing the fact that it lived off Carrion. Saxo Grammaticus, in his Gesta Danorum, tells of the Danish king Frotho's fight with a giant reptile, and it is in the advice given by a local to the king and recorded by Saxo that the monster is described in great detail. It was, he says, a serpent. Wreathed in coils, doubled in many a fold, and with a tail drawn out in winding whirls, shaking his manifold spirals and shedding venom, his saliva burns up what it bespatters. Yet, he tells the king in words that were doubtless meant to encourage rather than dismay, Remember to keep the dauntless temper of thy mind, nor let the point of the jagged tooth trouble thee, nor the starkness of the beast, nor the venom. There is a place under his lowest belly, whither thou mayest plunge the blade. Note that this giant reptile spits saliva that burns up what it hits. Author John Whitcomb, in his book The World That Perished, states, Evolutionary scientists believe that dinosaurs became extinct many millions of years before men appeared on the earth, but the Bible indicates that men and dinosaurs have lived contemporaneously. And then again, Whitcomb, referring to an article in National Geographic, writes, Scientific discovery confirms biblical revelation at this point. If we understand dinosaur in its original meaning of terrifying lizard, then dinosaurs are not yet extinct. About 1,000 huge dragon lizards still uh, survive on the small Indonesian island of Komodo. 
Concerning the alligator, he writes, although they are now 99% extinct and seldom exceed 12 feet in length, the American alligator attained lengths of nearly 20 feet as recently as the turn of the 20th century. Finally referring to National Geographic, Whitcomb writes, only about 500 years ago, the Apeornis, a dinosaur bird nearly 10 feet tall and weighing half a ton, still lived on the island of Madagascar. The time has come for a totally new perspective on dinosaurs in relation to Earth history and mankind. In a relatively recent story, scores of sightings throughout England also testify of dinosaur activity in places such as Northumberland, North Yorkshire, Wales, Scotland, West Sussex, Durham, Suffolk, Dragon Horde, and many more locations. To the surprise of many, indigenous people of some of the world's tropical rainforests still testify of dinosaur-like creatures, and researchers have been looking into it. If fire-breathing creatures seem far-fetched, consider the amazing bombardier beetle, which is very much alive today. The following is an excerpt from the book Amazing Creation, authored by Dr. Dwayne Gish. The bombardier beetle is found throughout the temperate zone of the world. He is approximately one-half inch long and has a marvelously complex and highly effective defense mechanism. When an enemy or predator gets in just the right position, this little beetle shoots very hot, irritating gases out of twin combustion tubes in his tail. When the scientists first discovered the bombardier beetle, they were curious to find out how he accomplished this amazing feat. A number of scientists, including Dr. Herman Shieldneck, worked on an understanding of the processes involved. It was necessary to perform microsurgery on the beetles in order to investigate the type of apparatus employed, and chemicals were extracted from the apparatus to discover what kind of chemistry the bombardier beetles use. It was discovered that the bombardier beetle has a double set of apparatus. He has twin chambers in which he stores two chemicals, hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide dissolved in water. If a chemist mixes these two chemicals, the hydrogen peroxide oxidizes the hydroquinone and the mixture looks like brown soup. The bombardier beetle adds a mysterious inhibitor which prevents the hydrogen peroxide from oxidizing the hydroquinone. In the beetle, this mixture of chemicals is combined with no reaction at all. The solution remains crystal clear. When the bombardier beetle is threatened and needs to employ his miniature cannon, he squirts the solution of chemicals from the two storage chambers into the two combustion tubes. In the combustion tubes, the beetle provides two enzymes, catalase and peroxidase, a catalyst which makes a chemical reaction happen very rapidly without any change in the catalyst. Thus, a catalyst may be used over and over again, sometimes a billion times or more a minute. In all living creatures, from bacteria to humans, these catalysts are composed of proteins and are called enzymes. Catalase is an enzyme that causes the extremely rapid conversion of hydrogen peroxide into water and oxygen. The peroxidase enzyme then causes the oxygen to very rapidly oxidize the hydroquinone into another chemical called quinine, which is a noxious or irritating chemical. All of this happens extremely fast in the bombardier beetle's combustion tubes, heating the liquid and gases up to 212 degrees Fahrenheit and generating a lot of pressure. When the pressure gets high enough, 
The bombardier beetle opens the valves on the end of his combustion tubes and the hot gases shoot out with great force. A pop can actually be heard as the gases shoot out. The bombardier beetle can repeat the explosion 15 or 20 times in just a few minutes. He can swivel his combustion tubes around 360 degrees and he never misses. End of quote. Dr. Henry Morse, founder of the world-renowned Institute for Creation Research, weighs in with this statement from his book, The Remarkable Record of Job. Dragons of various kinds were capable of breathing out fire, at least according to, to traditions from all parts of the world. Certain insects can, in effect, give out light or fire, example, the bombardier beetle and the firefly, as can various luminescent fish. Perhaps more to the point, dinosaur fossils have been excavated that show a strange protuberance with internal cavity on top of the head. It is conceivable that this could have served as a sort of mixing chamber for combustible gases and would ignite when exhaled into the outside oxygen. In any case, it seems unlikely that the ubiquitous tales of fire-breathing dragons in ancient times coming as they do from all parts of the world could have come into existence without a strong factual base. Furthermore, the Bible often mentions dragons just as it mentions unicorns, always in such a way as to show that the writers believed they were real animals. God said he created great dragons and fiery flying serpents, that some of these fearsome creatures actually breathe fire, and that these awesome creatures were contemporary to man. Man said this concept of great dragons and fiery flying serpents, etc., breathing fire, is just one of many examples of the fairy tale nature of the Bible, simply old men writing old fairy tale fiction. Now you have the record.